mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi everyone, it's finally here. We're back with the And Just Like That episodes we know you've been waiting for. And because we're just so tapped into the zeitgeist, we're bringing them to you a full three months after the show aired. Dolly and I have recorded three episodes that will be spread across April and then the normal sentimental garbage season will resume in May. Like you, we've been just so distressed and heartbroken to see what has been happening in Ukraine. And so we've both decided to donate all the proceeds from the month of April to British Ukrainian aid. If you would like to donate yourself, the link is in the show notes, but every share and impassioned recommendation of these episodes will go towards a very good cause. Okay, that's all from me. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Sentimental in the City, a podcast where we invite our fans to comment on how depressing our lives have become. My name is Caroline Dunhue, and I'm just checking your daddy's penis for cancer. Joining me is a woman who is never too busy to scatter your husband's ashes in Paris, Dolly Alderton. Hello. Hello. It's the final again. It's the final. I don't feel as emotional. No. No, the last last time we did a final episode, it felt like this sort of like great epic coming to a close. Yeah. This is a bit of a limp to the finish line, this one, isn't it? It's how they felt about it. It's how we feel about it. <laughs> I have been thinking about how much, like, this series have been, has been mirroring. Yeah. <laughs> like, comparison-wise, how much sentimental in the city is, like... Yeah. Because first time around when we did this, we love being meta now. We love... As if we're talking about the White Album or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were, like, on Zoom for three hours, once yeah. a week... Smoking a million fags, like drinking cosmos, drinking cosmos, and tears. straight whiskeys, and like me pausing it to go down to drink whatever was left in my fridge and drinking all the pasta wine, yeah, and uh, and all that into the wee hours of the morning. And now it's like you come to my house in the middle of the day, we have red lemonade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um. I feel bad saying this because our the the thing we prided ourselves on in episode one is like we actually liked it more than everyone else, so yeah. we're not gonna. But I we're the, very positive people. We see the good in things. That's the nature of the faith of fandom. Um, <laughs> that being said, rewatching the final episode, it is shite. <laughs> it's so bad. That final episode, by far the worst. Do you know what pisses me off the most? Where I, where it was one of those like something's gone badly wrong here, is when she goes in to Naya to say that she's God. Naya gets an old battering on this, doesn't she? The thing, and you think I actually really like Same. Naya. She's a really well written character. She's really well performed. Like I like seeing her. It's just. This, she's so front loaded at the beginning of the series yeah. when we just want to catch up with our old totally. friends who we know. But I do think she comes into herself more in this latter, yes, latter episodes. Yeah. But however, she goes into Naya and she said, Hi, Naya, I will be giving up the internship we've never heard of, mm. ever. 
in favor of this relationship we've seen nothing of. Mm. It's like we're giving up nothing for nothing. Mm. And I was God, that's so well put. That's exactly what it feels like. You're it, try, you're searching and scrambling desperately to feel something and you can't. Yeah. These huge life decisions and you can't feel anything. You can't. Because we don't understand it. We don't. It was just this thing of like, there are so many, it's that thing of the missing step on the stairs kind yeah. of thing of just like, there are too many missing steps on this staircase. We can't make it all the way up. I'm sorry. Yeah. And do you know what else is like, so we only see Che and Miranda together for what, two episodes? Yeah. That diner scene, which is like their only date scene we ever see of yeah. them. The writers really struggle to work out what they talk about. It's mad. They do not know what those two characters talk about. It comes about. in on, on Che being, you look very pretty this evening. Yeah. And Miranda's like, thanks, you look whatever gender appropriate term. Mm. You can, ha 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 ha. And then some fans come over. And then they leave. And then Che says, it's so heavy handed. Che's like, where were we? And Miranda was like, we were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> were you? <laughs> but I do think that like, it just, yes, I mean, clearly they have no idea what those two people would talk about. No. They have no idea. No. What happens. Um, that, that it, Yeah, but to the show's credit, this is consistent, I think. Do you think? Because I think very, very often, because it's always been a show about female conversation more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. That we, we there's been these relationships that if we really drill them down, we saw very little of. Mm. Like it would often, it would come in at the end of a dinner with Carrie and Aiden or Carrie and Big or Miranda and Steve and they'd be like, ha 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 ha. And then the man said something weird that drove her insane and mm. propelled the plot for mm. the rest of the episode. We actually have never seen that much of relationships. No, and here's the thing that I will say. <clears throat> Writing dates is, I mm. think, the hardest thing a writer can do ever. I think I would prefer to write a death scene than really? a date scene. Yes, because unless you're... And that's why now when I watch Nora Ephron films and I mm. watch, like, Harry and Sally yeah. building banter together, which a lot of that was improvised, actually, by the actors, I really? think. Yeah. And a lot of that was also... Rob Rayner and Nora Ephron kind of putting their heads together. So it wasn't mm. like a, a woman in a room on her own just yeah. writing. But yeah. how often have you been on a real live date and thought like, wow, look at me. I'm like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. It's yeah. just, it's so hard to capture. And that, the thing is, it's very hard to write um, pleasant, fun chemistry that doesn't feel very written. And very. it's the thing of like, and they actually comment on this very well in the series itself with Carrie and Berger, where they're sort of slightly overwritten overconscious witty dialogue because I yeah. have had been on dates in the past where it's like I've had the exact burger trajectory of like yeah. oh we're really powing off each other but what it is just two incredibly self-conscious nerds mm. who are just like look look at us having conversation and so it's actually true. not the same as chemistry yeah yeah it's really really hard I mean Steve and Miranda in the early years I think they yeah. did it quite well those yeah. two. But it's, it's why those moments are so precious to the fandom. Like, I think yeah. I remember when um, the sort of Twitter furore about uh, Miranda leaving Steve, which we're going to deal with in these episodes, uh, people were constantly posting the same screen grab, which was them in the pub on that autumn day. Drinking. It's everyone's favourite scene because yeah. it's like one of two scenes in the entire fucking franchise, all the hours of these two together, where they're just pleasantly enjoying each other hanging out yeah yeah it's rare this show it's always been rare in this show but yeah. that doesn't excuse how fucking shit that scene is it's so bad that date scene but it's um 
I because I felt like it was going to end in disaster with Che. Yeah. This series. And that was how it was teased it as well. It was set up. I remember the moment when Che says, <clears throat> I can't offer you anything traditional. Look yeah. at me. I can't offer you anything traditional. And I remember texting you and being like, oh, now yeah. we're on the home stretch. Now yeah. we're cooking with Off gas. The races, like, this yeah. is exciting. Like, basically... And they kind of explore it, which is like Miranda longs for a queer life, but actually she's so hardwired to be very... Yeah. Heteronormative, for want of a better word. And... I, I was just waiting for her, for there to be this gap between what Miranda thinks she wants and mm. actually what what she really wants, which is quite a traditional setup. And that was just not resolved in a satisfying way, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was trailed so heavily with the whole thing of like, I'm going to Cleveland, I'm in mm. a rom-com. And then we see nothing of that. It just cuts us off at the knees there. Yeah. Which is, it feels like blue balling your audience, really, doesn't Definitely, it? Definitely, yeah. And then it's this thing of like, I can't give you anything traditional, as you say. It's like all these hints and, and this, even that scene that we just mentioned where the fans come over and it's like, Chase had sex with everybody. And is how does Miranda feel about it? And Miranda referring to herself as the girlfriend and Che making a face and stuff. And then the climax of all of that is, is the silly cookie scene. Yeah. Oh my God, I've just realised there must be some sort of parallel with Robert there oh yeah what's the parallel there that she's maybe this is when we're just overanalyzing Robert yeah because she She... brings the cookies I was craving me some Che (laughs) (laughs) you that rolled off the tongue too too smoothly I was craving me some (laughs) that's really lodged it's lodged in the subconscious. Do you know what? I think it, the reason it lodged is because it's something I might have said at like 20, I know, 24, I know. 25 of just like popping up at a boy's house kind of thing. It is very recognisable. I was craving me some Che. I think I still might do that now. <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's it's horrible to hear it coming out of her mouth yeah. because it's very, very triggering. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, where were we? Craving me some Che. Has the cookies in the box. Yeah. It's like, oh, Robert was coming on too strong with you. Yeah, maybe. With the cookies. And yeah. The cookie. I don't. Cookie time. Maybe. maybe. We'll park that that branch of the you dissertation for another time. <laughs> Just leave that for you to have a good old chew over. <laughs> do you know what? We've, we've shot right past the manifesto. Do we even need to bother? Let's do the manifesto. For all time's sake. For all time's sake. We are not here to relentlessly slag off the show because patchy sex in the city is better than no sex in the city. As with the original podcast, we're going to be looking back on the series as a whole piece of work and so may not discuss every plot point, fan reaction or news headline that emerged while the show was airing. We're going to talk about the elements of the series that most interested us rather than going through it with a fine tooth comb. And finally, we are not here to take the piss out of actors for being over 50. We may not have loved and just like that the most, but we certainly tried the most. <laughs> Still tickles me. I know it's the funniest thing we've ever come up with, I think. <laughs> Should we go through reluctantly episode by episode, do you think? Do you know what? We tried that last time and all we do is dart around. <laughs> okay. so, so I'm going to just like name the, first, the, the big points yeah. of what happens in the sort of last three episodes. Yeah. Um, and we've already just talked about a lot of it. And it's funny because it made me realise that um, Miranda is the main character of the season. Oh, yeah. I all agree the, with that, yeah. All the big drama rests on and is driven by Miranda. Mm. Things happen to Carrie, like her, mm. her, her, her husband fucking dies. But 
Someone becoming a widow isn't a driving plot, right? It's just a bad thing yeah. that happens to them. It's a character thing. It's, it's definitely not plot. Yeah. It's, <laughs> not, it's, it's certainly not it's plot. It's certainly not plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, everything... Like, Miranda's the actor of this season. It's like, it's her show, really. Yes, and then she does the bigger... I tell you, you know your thing about the, the unresolved internship that no one cares about? Yeah. My version of that is how they resolve the Miranda going to LA story. Yeah. It's so bizarre that that last episode is such a whistle-stop tour of resolving every single character's journey yeah. in a way that I found like excruciatingly unsatisfying. I felt like Naya's roundup was better than the main character's yeah. roundup. That sort of very melancholy scene where she sort of sits back in her chair and she like says that she's separating from her husband because mm. of their I thought that that really moved. Yeah. Like, and it's lovely, actually. There's a lovely resolution between the two of them, between yeah. Miranda and Naya, about their yeah. friendship. Yeah. Like they're going to be friends, like they're proper kindred spirits. No, the thing that I've just was like, this literally feels like the writer has realised they've got one and a half pages left. Yeah. When Miranda goes out to Charlotte and says, I'm not coming to Paris, I'm moving to LA. No, she says, I'm not coming to Paris. And Charlotte says, why? And she says... I'm in love. I'm moving to LA. And Charlotte says, I'm so happy for you. And that's the end. Charlotte. Yeah. No, and Charlotte literally goes, what have I missed? Kind of thing. It's like, yeah, what have we all missed? What, what have we all missed? Can you imagine if you and I were at a party and I was like, I can't come to your, I can't come to the pub tomorrow. Why? Yeah. I'm moving to LA. I'm in love. If you said, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. I'd be like, that bitch doesn't care about me at all. It's so weird, that ending. It's so weird. It's a shit ending. Yeah. There's some really promising stuff in this season, but it's. I would not be surprised if there was like a news thing that came out. It was like, look, we'll level with you. There was a fire. We, yes. <laughs> we, we lost like half our footage for the, yes. the last third of that the thing. That would make so much sense. And we had to cobble shit. You know, sorry. We lost a hard drive in an Uber. They definitely <laughs> lost a hard drive. This, so why don't they just admit they lost the hard why drive? Is it? You left a hard drive in an Uber and then you had to paste it all together from yeah, what was left. And, and they and they all sat there and they were like, can you remember how we resolved yeah. the Miranda thing? Oh, I think that they she went out to Charlotte and said, oh, I'm moving to LA, I'm in love. And they all just went, yeah, I think that, probably no, no, not no, just yeah. that, but I think we can just do that. Yeah, but it needs to be done by Thursday, so <laughs> let's just get it over the wire. So that was, that's the first, yeah. The big point of this is, is Miranda leaving scene. I do think where they, clearly this wasn't on that hard drive and because it was very well considered was um the, the sort of the big conversation on the couch. Oh, I loved that scene. I loved it. And it felt like, it felt like great care being taken. Do you know what I mean? To great re- respect. Yeah. Great, re- finally, a shred of respect for our man, Steve. Yeah, I've I've kept it under wraps for this, you know, because I because uh, I I made a big to do in the last series about how I uh, you know I saw myself and my relationship in Steve and Miranda, mm. or how or kind of how I saw Gavin and Steve, kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I've decided to just, just pretend that never happened <laughs> because it's all just so depressing no I think so. I think that Steve is like Gab I think the difference is you're not like Miranda <laughs> because I actually found that really triggering that scene when 
it like it like keyed into some of my biggest fears about myself yeah. when he says when she's like I want more and lists all these things she's like I want more connection more sex more energy more whatever this greed yeah. that she has yeah and he's like married life she's like I feel dead basically and he's yeah. like we talk about our son and we relax we together. go to work we, come we go home. to work we come home we chat we enjoy tv together like that's married life and she basically is saying like well i don't think i ever wanted that but then what does she want yeah because it seems like what she wants with che is pretty much a version of what she had with steve but there's just newness yeah and that is very triggering to me because i just I do worry sometimes about myself, not to get too deep into my psychological, no, it's for. My psychological condition. I do worry about um, that that greed thing, just the... Needing newness. Just, yeah, the insatiability of it. And yeah. that, that is just totally at odds with, with building a life with someone. And you have to accept a level of yeah. mundanity. Like you, you cannot circumvent that in life if that's what you want. Or you just live a totally different life where you don't have a partner and you don't have mm. a family and you don't have a home and you don't have. I mean, you can have a home and a family if you don't have a guy. No, no. So I mean, why I brought that up as if like? No, no. What I mean, you is... need to hear that from me. <laughs> no, what I mean is. If you want, you can't have, but you can't yeah. be nomadic mm. endlessly and be a parent and a partner and have a home base, like somewhere you live and you create a community. Those things, yeah. like you can't, neither is right or wrong, but they cannot successfully exist in tandem. Mm. Really, I don't mm. think. Yeah, And that is something I think about a lot. No, and I don't, and I don't blame you either. And like, yeah, we've all, like, obviously I'm coming from, you're coming to this scene as somebody who's been single for a long time. Yeah. I'm coming to the scene as somebody who's been in a relationship for a long time. And let me tell you, I was so, this is definitely a TMI for the podcast. I was so fucking glad that when I was watching Sex and City, or when I was watching Just Like That, me and Gavin just happened to be in a good patch for sex. <laughs> You were a really horny patch. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. I know, me too. I love that for me. But like, you know, again, been with the guy eight years, there's patches, there's yeah, good patches, there's, there's dry patches, whatever. It's normal. And I was like, oh God, I'm very grateful because I think I would read too much into this yeah. <laughs> otherwise. Um, and yeah, and like, I think it's a paranoia for everyone, right? Mm. I don't even know if I have that much to say about it, really. Except that I'm just... I am such a homebot kind of thing in mm. that I, I do just sort of love sort of bedding down or whatever. And people have spoken to me for a, a long time because I've been in relationships all, all through my 20s. I met Gavin when I was 24. I had just mm. come out of a relationship through that. And I have definitely gotten, not I wouldn't say judgment, but definitely a sort of like, mm, well, she never really had her 20s kind of thing yeah you never really you know that 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 that, that question mark kind of mm. thing and to that i would say that and this is a bit cheesy and corny and maybe i'll cut it out but when i think of the person i was when i was 24 um i i definitely had friends but i was quite a f- frightened person mm. in that i i would never really go to a party unless i knew everyone 90% of the guests there yeah I would never really I wouldn't go to gigs very much really because I, I almost like didn't know what to do with myself 
unless I was totally comfortable. And then I met Gav and he's just sort of the opposite of that. And he's just somebody who's just kind of up for everything and anything. Mm. Mm. And I, I was with some, I was finally with somebody who was like, would push me into uncomfortable situations. And then I would suddenly found that I was like flourishing and thriving in them. Yeah. And then I just, and so when people give me the sort of like, oh, well, this kind of bedding down, same guy, do you ever think that maybe as a single person, I always like, no, because I was, I've been pushed into being so much more of an adventurous person yeah. within the confines of a very monogamous relationship. Yeah, totally. I see that. And I think that I've never seen that in anything. No. You know what I mean? Because I think what I would love to see resolved in this Miranda story, if they come back for another series, is I think that there can be this fantasized place of the other when you're in a long term relationship of this other place mm. that is where you are your sexiest, funnest self and life is endlessly fruitless and there's like a different love affair at every corner and the world is your oyster. Yeah. And it's a bit like that. Like I've been living in that other place for quite a long time. Yeah. And it is a tiny bit like that, but it's also not like that at all. And I think that there are some people in relationships who have been to that place Mm. with their partner or with their friends where they've gone and seen like what it would feel like to be that person. Yeah, yeah. Every person goes on their single friends bumble for an evening. Yeah. (laughs) And also just like you're very much an adventurer with Gav and with your mates and you've got, you know, a huge appetite for for fun and for, for the unknown. So it means I think that you've kind of got the best of both worlds that I don't think you feel... I don't think you've got a distorted sense of what single life is like. Mm. I don't think you fetishize, fetishize what that life is like. Whereas with Miranda, yeah, you just know she's one of those women who's been in a relationship for a really long time. Yeah. Craving to be in this other place and she will get to the other place and it will, it will be hugely disappointing for her. Yeah, and do you think... If we had seen that huge disappointment within this series, it would have been too depressing because the 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 top of it, the first few episodes of Miranda are, are really depressing. Do you mm. know what I mean? They're like mm. her with the drinking problem, her all these things. And um, do you think they just wanted to end a, on a high note for Miranda and then we'll deal with the drama yeah, in season maybe. two? If there is season two, it hasn't been confirmed. Maybe. I think what would have been great is for her to have realised that what she was craving was to not be with someone like Che, che but to be on her own. Like that that speech she makes about being wishing she was the judge. And yeah. I think, yeah. And actually, I think the thing is with Miranda is maybe she... It was always so difficult for her to commit. It was yeah. so... Yeah. She was so bent out of shape doing it that maybe she was meant to be someone who was single her whole life and she should have had a child on her own maybe or she mm. should have, like maybe that was her story that she felt because she was growing, at the time she grew up like that would have been a failure or something and she yeah. felt like she had to default to something more traditional but maybe really Miranda's destiny is just to be blazing through life on her own. I do think... I, I, I agree with you, but I also would have loved some kind of reference. And we always, we brought this up in every episode now, this thing of like, why don't they reference their shared holidays? We're convinced they have. <laughs> but I would love, I think, like, why, why haven't, and this is something Monica says a lot, and Monica's ass, something Monica's ass talks about a lot, is like, <laughs> why does it feel like all these people have been cryogenically frozen for 14 years? Yeah. Um. And why don't we get like any references to the good years or reference? Like we can handle 
references to memories we weren't present for. Like if, yeah. we, if we can handle references to Carrie getting a pair of Toms in 2007, yeah. we can handle references to their private life. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. We, can, we, can, the, we trust the world building enough to have references and things we haven't necessarily yes. seen. So I would have loved like some acknowledgement from Miranda that there were good years there and like yeah. I do think David Eigenberg plays an absolute fucking blinder in that scene even though his voice is a joke <laughs> <laughs> no I like it and I also I know that some people really didn't like it and it was too humiliating but I think it was really funny the fact that she knows she's about to have this conversation with him yeah. and he hasn't got his hearing aid in and he says can you just shout it <laughs> I think it's so funny. But that's just because I love that sort of like silly, stupid. It is silly. Humor. Yeah. I think it's so brilliant. There was definitely a lot of um of chat, justified chat about like, you know, what the show is tripping over itself to being inclusive of everyone and being respectful of everyone else's experience. And then to the hard of hearing, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I because he is hard of hearing in real yeah, life, yeah, and so that's lost, why yeah. they tried to. Um, but he said, but he delivers some absolute fucking gut punch lines in that one. I know. Um, where he said he's like, oh, the thing that absolutely wrecked me was the, you know, you know, oh, we've been married a long time, and sometimes I'm not enough for you, and then I am enough, kind of, and then I'm not again, and. And like I can't do it anymore, you know. It's yeah. just we've that feeling. You don't hear that from men. That my favourite singular piece of commentary on the whole of this series tweet. was a tweet from someone who said Miranda is Steve's Mr. Big. The best summation of this whole series. Yeah, it? because it just also for someone who I'm so female centric in the way that I view the world mm. and the and the point of views that I subscribe to about the world yeah. that I just there's this whole there's like a severe lack of empathy that I can see in myself yeah when it comes a, a to severe, experiences yeah severe narrative short-sightedness in life and in fiction that I have with myself of just like you know women ruin men's lives yeah as much as men yeah <laughs> obviously women can't kill men with their no, hands no no emotionally yeah, women can yeah. ruin men's lives of course that it just like totally blew open the world of sex in the city for me of like what would these stories be like if they were told from the perspective of the men perspective yeah. of the men you know yeah what's it like for steve to feel like carrie felt with big from what i can see for most of their relationship yeah. of like trying to prove to her that he, that she, that she is that he is worthy of her love and time I've been the woman that does that. It's awful. It's, it's so awful. tiring. And I always wonder, like, I often look back on, I said this, I think, in the last series, like, I sometimes look back on those men that I felt so sad, like, so unworthy of their love, and I felt like I was fighting so hard for their attention. And I do mm. think, like, what would life have been like if I, if they actually chose me in the end? I think fucking yeah. horrific. Yeah. Because you never let go of so, yeah, that insecurity. The act never ends, yeah. No. Which is what Steve did, basically, I think, his whole life. Yeah. And then the thing he has about, then the last couple of years, we finally reach a place where it's not so fucking, like, up and yeah. down all the time. And, like, I, and it's just, it's so tragic when you have, like, these two people in a relationship. It's tragic whenever it happens and, like, Post-COVID, I've had like, quite a few friends break up. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's been a real reckoning for the human heart. <laughs> COVID, totally, COVID. Yeah. And, um, and all of them have had this sort of... 
this horrible moment of just like we were in two different relationships kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What I thought was sort of like pleasant and fun and homey and safe was actually like a nightmare for you, you know, and like was a cloistered and felt strangling, you know. Mm-hmm. It's um oh god, it's, it's so, really hard. It's, so it's really hard good that. drama. Like it's hard when you've been single for such a long time, I think, and when you've been so fearful of monotony Mm. it's very difficult to be able to really tune into your own senses and be like is this stagnation or is this peace oh wow and i think i think what the longer you're single the harder you find it to basically become comfortable and to habituate to something that is quite certain or just not even certain just quite uncomplicated this is way off the podcast and we'll probably end up coming up but i have a genuine question um the sort of fear of mundanity. Mm. Life is mundane anyway. Mm. So like, no matter what, you have to wake up and, and get onto Thames water and pay mm. your bill over the phone or whatever. We're not the beautiful dodo behind the glass yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. Why would you resent that mundanity if you have a little pal with you? Um, because I think that I grew up thinking that um, romance is the place of adventure. Um, and I think adventure I paired with uncertainty. Oh, that's very wise. I think this is going to really help people. I wish keep it in. <laughs> it's almost like I've been in a lot of therapy. <laughs> um, yeah, that I think, but I'm just so, I'm very envious of people who don't. Look, everyone has a degree of restlessness, of existential yeah, yeah. restlessness, but just the acceptance of of exactly what you just described of the inevitable mundanity of life being enjoyed with a favorite person side by side yeah people who have been able to grasp that yeah effortlessly i'm very jealous of and there's a, there's a difference isn't there there's a difference between like grasping things intellectually mm. and then grasping things emotionally 100 percent. you know there's, that's such an interesting thing i think like and that's the danger of therapy actually i think that yeah if you're at all like cognitively like cognitively if you're aware you can you can like really understand what love is and what will suit you but that doesn't mean you can know it in your yeah it's so yeah you don't know it in your body exactly i don't know whether it's an age thing or a covid thing or having more time to self-reflect or whatever but i've had so many moments in the last two years where i've come to some huge realization and felt it like like a ricochet going through my entire body and it's like mm-hmm. everyone's like oh you know this now and then i'll repeat that epiphany to a friend and it'll mm. sound like the most basic old wives shit it's like <laughs> you should always trust your instincts <laughs> and it's like a fucking a che diaz platitude it's like, but it's like no, no no i've always known it but now i know it <laughs> yeah weird yeah i think we should just have a chat podcast <laughs> We should just have one. We should just have a chat podcast. I agree. This is better. <laughs> this is way better. Just going back to Shay's platitudes. Yeah. I think the worst one. Oh, <laughs> you were, the doc. The doc is much shorter this week. But but you've really gone to town on Chase platitudes. So I just think the worst of all of their platitudes. Yeah. Is when they stand up with the most heaving audience, and says. If you're part of the revolution, you're you're part of the evolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're part of an ev- an evolution, 
You're part of the revolution. I mean, you, it's so interchangeable and it, it's so low impact. However, you change the words. What is this event? <laughs> They're in the rain in Central Park, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, with 40 people there. And Che's just rambling on. Like, it's a MISC Pride event. <laughs> Che rambling on at a MISC Pride event. That's what the scene heading was, yeah. I think. Miss, like what? Like, what is it for? It's a bit like um Naya and like painting the refuge for women kind of thing. I just gave up very early on with trying to find any sort of yeah logic in that. Just one. not even logic. A crumb just of specificity, re- please. Just reason. What? What is it? Yeah, it's a shelter. Oh, it's a shelter for women. It used to be a school, but now it's a shelter. <laughs> okay. Same with the Miss Pride event. It's like, what's it for? Is it for? Some bill on women's abuse or something, or no, just a misc pride event. (laughs) It's for Che to deliver an astonishing piece of of, of inspiring oratory where they say, You mustn't hide. (laughs) Wow. And then Miranda hides. hides. (laughs) So I have a theory which I've tentatively tentatively floated on this podcast before that I think the script assistant wrote Carla we've talked about her Carla I think Carla she's 23 Carla who's made up by the way don't don't go looking for her in the credits we made her up there's a 23 year old script Mm. editor script assistant sorry yeah a job you've done a job I've done and I did it on fresh meat did I talk about this last time Maybe, but it's always worth it. I always love your showbiz stories. Because, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, because it's mainly what you do is just like print stuff out and bind scripts and get sushi for the writers in the writers' yeah. room. But then you're given these like tiny little jobs mm. that you throw yourself into so much. So my one was I remember having to come up with the title of Vod's dissertation. I remember this. And it, you, I don't think you even see it in shop. It's just for the props people. Mm. And I like to spend a whole afternoon coming up with it. I was so excited. And the title was Catcher in the Y, Semiotics in Salinger. That's very good. <laughs> That's very good. And you go home and you basically say to your friends oh, yeah. and family, like, I'm a writer on fresh meat. Oh my god! Do you want to make, know an even more embarrassing version of that? Of Tell me, me trying to be a, a writer. I uh, one of my first jobs in London was working with a recruitment agency, and like I ended up being a consultant for a while. Like it was a very odd chapter. And, <laughs> but when I started off, I was just doing admin, and uh, I was just desperate to get any kind of writing experience. So I begged them to let me write the job ads for the site. Then I started putting myself out on LinkedIn as a copywriter. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I know, we're so cute. <laughs> but I yeah. think, I do think, Carla... Yeah. They've lost the hard drive. Said, yeah, Carla's on thin ice. She's already lost the hard drive <laughs> in the Uber. It's Carla, can you just write a bit of speech? Yeah. They, they, they probably said to me, need three lines just to come in on. Yeah, and that's Carla's show. <laughs> we should really do Emily in Paris. It's so Emily in Paris about the script assistant. Oh, and just like that. that. <laughs> My God. Oh, so that brings us to, again, Miranda clearly driving this entire show. You're so right. She is the main character. And this thing of, like, uh, Che finding out that Miranda is not in an open marriage. Mm. I think we. I I feel like it's very believable. No, I do as well. Yeah, 
and this thing of like like thing of um the delivery is so weird they, like that actor needed another take on it new to being queer is one thing married and lying is another shit shit <laughs> shit we were watching it together and we both lost our mind we rewound it so many times shit. not a married woman who's lying shit <laughs> like an act like all the other takes were fine mm. and what happened during this take was that Sarah Ramirez just like like someone they knew that they had offended at a party had walked by the sh behind the camera and they're like oh shit, shit. <laughs> it's so bad I uh, despite the strange delivery shit. <laughs> It's very like when you see someone whose um, email you haven't responded to. Shit. Shit. Other than that, I do think <laughs> I do think it's believable that they would have this a real obsession with the idea of ethical mm. non-monogamy. Yeah. And these very specific rules of but that is so Che's world. Not that's that, exactly like and and like you know we both know um you know people in comedy and that kind of stuff. It's not even just a queer thing. It's a people in comedy thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've never. I've rarely met a stand up comedian who doesn't have like very specific rules about their uh, mm. their relationship or whatever. It's like people who are on the road a lot generally tend to have these kinds of arrangements with people and move yeah. in circles when that where they have like open relationships or polyamory or whatever and like and that counts double if you're queer you know what i mean like yeah queer people are very good at finding non-traditional relationships that work so yeah. i actually really do believe che when they're like what what kind of and thing they're just, cheating yeah you know? and they just assumed yeah and then it also really works that miranda probably would be like quite foreign to the concept of what yeah. Like that wouldn't feel normal for someone like Miranda, I think. Someone of her generation who has been ostensibly straight her whole yeah, life. Yeah. The idea of like her kid knowing that she's an non-monogamous, yeah. consensually non-monogamous. Like that, I think that, that wouldn't even like, crossed her mind. No, it would have yeah. blown her mind. Yeah. 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 I think it's believable. I think, yeah. It could have been done better though. Shh. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, like it, it, but like I wish I kind of almost wish that conversation had the level of like writerly attention and whatever staging as the Miranda and Steve on the couch scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it felt very dashed off. Mm. You know, mm. um, and I also felt doubly bad for uh, you. Felt you were getting deep into Carla's backstory. <laughs> I was thinking about like all those poor drag queens who had to come out in full day drag. In the rain. For a MISC. For a MISC Pride event. <laughs> and uh, and they definitely had like a, I'm going to be in and just like that. I'm going to have all the screen time. And then it was just cut down to nothing. Yeah. That's how I feel bad. <laughs> um, just to round off Miranda's whole trajectory, because we've talked about her a lot now. I think we should park her and go back to yeah. other people. Um, I find it so fucking weird where like she, they all go to dinner, the girls, and at the top of the scene, Miranda says, I'm gonna ask Steve for a divorce tonight. 
And Carrie and Charlotte are like, wow. And Miranda goes, Charlotte, do you have any judgment? And Carrie and Charlotte says, no, I don't even know how to, you know, talk to my daughter about sex. And then they move on. Why it's... are you and I so outraged by the lack of ensemble loyalty and connection? Yeah. With the with the like spouses and partners. It yeah, it does it really it doesn't bumps, make any sense. It bumps me out of it. These are people they've known each other for twenty years. Mm, yeah. Like And they're really surprised that Steve and Miranda have problems. So it's yeah. not like they're like, oh well, this was inevitable. Yeah. I mean obviously they know about the cheating. Yeah. But this like and I realise like this is a fucking TV show. It's not a documentary, as we've said before. Like, we can't have that much time of them talking. Yeah. But it just feels, like, shockingly cavalier. Like... But that's why I think it's believable and so painful when Steve pairs up with Carrie to do yeah. the miscellaneous charitable work. And they're, <laughs> they're painting a miscellaneous charitable building. Yeah. And he kind of corners her and says, like, what did you know? And tries that's really to get good. information. Yeah. And Carrie's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Really painful, that scene. I really liked their scene together. Same. And I thought it was really well done. What's, what's actually, the Sex and City writers have always been very good at, and like, this is a phrase I've only learned recently, and you probably know a lot for a long time, because you worked in TV for a long time, but this thing called the game of the scene. No. Have you not heard this? No, what is okay, it? Okay, so it's this thing of like, you have a scene where two people are having an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable conversation, and they can stand there and have the uncomfortable conversation, or they could be like at a bowling alley and having to deal with kind of like mm. the balls coming down the shoot and something and there's like movement and they have to interact with the movement and the movement interacts with their scene and yes, the brilliant. Thing. Yeah, brilliant. That's the game of the scene. And uh, the game of this scene being that she she uh, loses her she loses John's wedding ring in the U bend of the thing mm. and it, it's this great thing of like they're having this like, awkward conversation then she has to break to wash her shoe. And then he has to sort of be very functional and very masculine. And it's almost, it's a very interesting way of like scraping back dignity for that character. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are so few men in this series left now and we Mm. see so little of them. Mm. But having him be very masked with her and like taking back control of the situation. It's a real, it's a real moment of empathy for the two of them. It feels really real and really grounded. Mm. It's so much better than having them just sort of stand there. And then we get that thing of like him being like, oh, I'm never taking my wedding ring off. <laughs> I'm married forever. He's back. He's back. Yes, I love him. He sounds like Oscar the Grouch. That's exactly who he sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I love that as well because I think it's a really beautiful moment of companionship and solidarity for Carrie. That even though she's had this quite rare tragedy of her healthy husband dropping dead in his 50s or 60s, mm. that she is reminded that there are lots of people who've lost the love of their life around her. Yeah. You know, there are lots of different ways of losing your grey love. Yeah. And her and Steve are kind of in the same place. Yeah. And I I was like, when when Carrie says, you know, Steve, you're you're a wonderful man. Like, you're going to find someone or whatever. You should find someone. I was like, finally, someone tells Steve he's a nice person. Yeah. Finally. I think he will find someone. I hope he goes back to Debbie. I think he will. I think he'll. I'd find love someone. to see Debbie again. I loved her. I really like Debbie, and Debbie's exactly the sort of woman. Yeah. He should have ended up with actually. Yeah, unfortunately. And that would drive Miranda mad, particularly if her and Brady end up having a great relationship. Yeah. I wish as well, and this is the last thing we can say about yeah, yeah. Miranda. God, she's getting a lot of time. I know. 
But then again, she got all the airtime in the, um, what you call it? In the press and the fandom yeah. and all that. Everyone, yeah. that's what people had the most opinions on. I realise that they're, at this point, rapidly running out of time. Mm. And we need to, you know, jam in a fucking neighbour downstairs storyline because we didn't mm. have enough fucking new characters. Um, but it's like, okay, so they're splitting up. What's what's the story? Do you mean like, are they setting the house? Like, yeah. are they... How like they've been, this is a couple have been together for twenty years. Yeah, they have a child and many shared assets. Like I imagine, like Miranda probably has a part ownership in the bar. Like what's mm. gonna happen? Like I realize divorce admin is not the stuff of great yeah. TV, but like give us something. How are they living now? We have no idea. Is she living with Che? Also, financially, that will be really interesting because she's the main breadwinner. Yeah. Also, why is he turning up with that? paint roller happy as Larry yeah seemingly like a week after very although this this show is known for its fucking weird time, time jumps. jumps yeah 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 no definitely missing steps missing steps missing steps on the stairs yeah and it's that feeling of like the feeling of nausea when you're walking up a stairs at night and there's no step and your your foot just crashes through <laughs> and the world just feels wrong that's what's happening here yeah yeah and also like Brady being like meep kind of thing <laughs> My parents have divorced. Mip. <laughs> Who cares? You hate Brady. <laughs> I don't hate Brady. And I actually think whenever the actor is doing something, he's like, he seems like a, like a good and charming actor. It's like, yeah. right, give him a fucking line. But he's yeah. like, me, me, Louisa. I think it's good as well because I think that the overarching, one of the overarching themes, themes, the turn of the team, um, of this series is the question of simply whether it is better to be young or old. I think that is uh, one of the main yeah, right. things that they investigate. Like, with the character of that stupid neighbour, mm-hmm. who I hate. <laughs> I hate the stupid neighbour. <laughs> anyway, yeah, with the neighbour and with Lily, with um, the, the period stuff, and with Rock, with their identity story, and with um, Brady, with his like incessant horniness. Mm. There is something interesting that I think happens with people, with the cycle of life. If most people have kids in their thirties, I know they don't generally, but this is the group of like urbanites we're looking at that they have Mm. kids in their thirties. By the time that the parents are in this like second Saturn return, like, Mm big change in life in their mid 50s is normally the exact point where their children are in their first Mm. flush of life and hormones and working out who they are mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
So it's like, in I just remember when I was a teenager thinking how cruel it was that at the moment I was filled with hormones and going mm. through this big change. I know my mum was at the exit. And that's a lot of hormones in a house. Yeah. And that's a lot of like identity shifting in one house. And that's strange for someone to be yet yeah, at the entrance and someone at the exit. Yeah. And I think that I really like the use of younger characters mm. as a way of investigating that story of like, is it better to be young or old? Yeah. Do you want to be the woman full of experience and wisdom and love who's being called ma'am? Or do you want to be yeah. the girl sitting on the step smoking and laughing with her friends or the boy who can't stop fucking his girlfriend and is yeah. completely insatiable or whatever and basically yeah like looking at what the pros and cons yeah. of all those life stages are yeah yeah and if only you did that more yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, actually at this point i'd like to recommend a show that's like deals with all the same themes as then just like that but isn't uh disappointing uh is Pamela Adlon's Better Things, which I know you mm. haven't seen yet. Yeah, but you've said great things about it. But just something I wanted to add is a, a quote from that where, you know, this is a, a woman in her 50s who's raising three daughters aged between kind of 19 to 14 kind of thing. And uh, something she says in that show that's really stayed with me, she says, like, the world reaches this place, as my world has reached this place where it wants nothing from me, but it's starting to want things from them. Yeah. The idea of like the gaze shifting off her and onto Fuck. her daughters yeah. and what yeah. that must feel like. Really strange. Yeah. It feels like such a strange choice of synchronicity by, by Mother Nature that that's yeah. like those periods in life collide in the same homes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Great show. Everyone should watch it. So let's move on. Finally, we've mapped every directory of Miranda's <laughs> fucking story, the main character of I Just Like That. Let's move on to Charlotte. Mm. Very much a supporting character of and just like that. I feel bad about how cruel we've been to Christian Davis so far. Yeah. And unfortunately... <laughs> oh, I think she's not... great in these episodes. You, she Okay. She's a robot still. Yeah, but a funnier one. She's a funnier robot and her stories are... Her coming into her own as like... A Jewish mother, I really enjoy. Yes, yes. No, you're, no, you're dead right. They, it is much more compelling. Because we're getting what we actually wanted to begin with, which is, like, we're getting to know Lily and Rock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're getting to know her children. We're getting to know how she parents, what she cares about. And, like, I, I actually did find it very moving at the very end when, like, Rock has the whole thing about, I'm not going to have the bar mitzvah or the bar mitzvah or whatever. And then, and then Charlotte gets to have a bar mitzvah. <laughs> It's like, oh, It's very old Sex in the City, that it's, little payoff, isn't it? It really is. In that it's like that perfect mix of being bizarre and touching. Yeah. Because you because you do care about her so much. And you're like, yeah, she did. She worked really hard to become a Jew. Yeah. And she's still working on it. And she's so committed. And she never got to have this rite of passage. Yeah. And I'm glad she's getting it. Yeah. And there's that, there's a bit in the Just Like That Writers Room podcast where Michael Patrick King is very moved by Oh, himself. it's the most... He's like in bits. And honestly, I was in bits listening to him. I was in bits <laughs> listening to that bit. I was like, this is completely warranted where he said one of his favourite moments of the series is at the They Mitzvah, there's a moment where, where Rabbi Jen gets the whole Golden Black family up mm-hmm. onto the yeah. podium bit and... Charlotte has her arms round her children and Harry's there. And he and Michael Patrick King said it was such an important moment because her arms are so wide and she's like inviting in these people and this love into her life. And the shot, I'm literally getting now because I just, I think it's such a beautiful trajectory for that character that like 
the Charlotte we knew who had such a specific idea mm. of the aesthetics she wanted for her life and the people she wanted in her life and and yeah. the marriage she wanted and the, that she ends up with this beautifully, spectacularly unconventional life. Yeah, yeah, it's so moving. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh no, we're falling in love with Charlotte again. Thank I God. I know. This is the thing. And this was the thing when, with the original series as well is that we would be really mean on Charlotte, particularly me. I was very cruel to Charlotte. <laughs> but then her, seri- her storylines would move me the most. Yeah. Which is a very impressive thing to pull off. Yeah, because she just goes on the biggest journey. She does. The thing of like having this like husband who like she, you know, adores, but like is like a little old bald Jewish yeah. man. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like not what she expected when she was marrying Trey McDougall. Like her adopted daughter, her trans child, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And she looks so happy. And she yeah. is so happy. And she is so accepting. And loving with every member of that family. She could she thinks all her dreams have come true. And they have, they're just not what she thought they'd look like. And oh. it's very moving to me that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm really trying to keep it together. Because when when he Yeah, it's like a very important life lesson. Yeah. Nestled in that in that image at the end, I think. Like everyone. Like myself included, like everyone needs to take heed of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, because we are just, yeah, just still obsessed with how things sort of look like. And, yeah. And um, and these qualifications of, of perceived success or, yeah. you know. Yeah. I remember I was saying to some, like an older person recently, I was talking about some, I don't know, some Twittery type issue. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, oh God, what are the optics of that though? Or something. I said something very millennial like that. Yeah. Very eye-rolling millennial. What are the optics of that? And and the other person was like, well, optics are just what things look like. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, we have become obsessed. Yeah. We have become very obsessed. And it is like a very nice reminder. And like a lovely way to tie up a sort of a, a character who didn't have much of a character arc. No. Really. But she does come into her own in these last few episodes because like, the Lily not knowing how to put the tampon in. I loved that. I do love that. And I, I loved all the Lily stuff. Same. Yeah. And I loved um, that scene of the Golden Black household of when they get Uncle Anthony around for dinner. Yeah. Oh, it's with, so with funny. his denier boyfriend. That was such a classic <laughs> Sex and City moment in that it was so funny, so unexpected, so irreverent. Oh, it made so me laugh. Perfect. I think it's the funniest comedy moment of the whole thing. Get out! Get out! It's <laughs> so good. His performance there is amazing. One thing we we both noticed um, is that, like, we obviously, we miss Willie Garson so much and, like, you really do feel his absence from the show. But it really has allowed Anthony to come into his own, hasn't it? Yeah, he was, he's really funny in those episodes. Yeah. I love when he goes and gives Rock the pep talk. I know. He's very brotherly, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's not even uncle. It's it's very much older brother energy. I just love being the golden black flat. Although, as we know, it's not really the golden black flat. It's the McDougal it's flat. It's the McDougal flat. I cannot believe that Charlotte is raising her fucking brats there. But anyway, I'm so angry on Bunny's behalf. Anyway. Um, <laughs> fucking twirling in her grave. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the scene when she's looking after Lily trying, trying to show her to put the tampon in, in the loo. Yeah. And like 
Harry burns the hollow bread. Yeah. And then and the boyfriend's being chucked out. And then there's that scene where they're all sitting around the table miserably eating this blackened hollow bread. It's so good. I just I I could spend endless hours yeah. in the Golden Black family home. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy it too. Even the like um yeah, even just the, the chat in, in the girls' bedroom about, like, redecorating in the dolls and all that stuff. Yeah. It's quite pap, but I still just, like, enjoy it. It's just very cozy. Again, it's that dollhouse vibe. Yeah. Or, like, you feel like you could, like, it could be a picture book where you could split it all down and yeah. you see in every room. Or, like, oh, there's Rock doing video games kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I actually, you made me have some clarity about old Rock this, this time around. <laughs> I love Rock. <laughs> you love Rock, that's true. I love rock. I said they're my dream child because they keep themselves to themselves. <laughs> I was very like, rock's a brat and rock's really rude to Charlotte and yeah. like and like very spoiled child kind of thing and, and yeah. whatever. Um and then I actually realized when once you said like rock's grand, rock just like wants to keep themselves. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. The only reason that Rock's a bit of a dick is because Charlotte will knock it out of their business. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the stuff of like forcing forcing them into a dress and like forcing them to have a bar mitzvah and all that kind of shite. Do you yeah. Know what I, mean? I was like, yeah, actually, Rock just wants to play video games and, and be on TikTok. And I think it's like really believable and very sweet at the end when they're like, I don't want to be anything. Yeah. Like stop forcing. Yeah. Yeah. But I also just think like, if you didn't want to be a Jew, say it before they drop half a mil on the they mitzvah, the custom stationery in a sweet You've bar. never been to a bat mitzvah, have you? No, no. That's so what they are. Really? Yeah, there was, I remember there being a bat mitzvah that I wasn't invited to that really upset me because everyone was talking about it for about a year afterwards oh, when they had a room of sweets with a tree of sweets. Oh like a god. whole tree with all sweets coming off it. Oh my god. Yeah, they were quite a something up in North London suburbia. The Irish version of this is confirmation parties. Yeah, I've heard about yeah. these, yeah. Not quite as chic though. They're they're a bit more rural. It's very like um Apple Schnapps and the Bouncy Castle. <laughs> <laughs> no, whereas this is like I remember there was a boy who I really fancied, what was his name? Adina. And I could I didn't get to his bar mitzvah, but he, everyone knew it was gonna be a big one, and he was mm. lowered into the hotel reception room. <laughs> like James Bond. No! Yes, <laughs> this like 13-year-old boy. <laughs> oh my god. I still wish I'd if I could go back to one party in history. <laughs> My one is Adino at UCS his ball. That's like, so funny. Yeah. In the in the Watford Marriott or wherever it was. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have anything else on Charlotte's trajectory that we, we liked? Or whatever. Did you like the blowjob? Okay. The thing that we love about the blowjob scene is very different to what other people responded to <laughs> in the blowjob oh, scene. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's quite a lot to unpack this. We're going to have to do it deftly. Def right. So, the scene, as we all remember it, is uh, Harry takes his, his big prosthetic cock out and flops it around and, and she goes down and whatever. But the reason she's going down on him is because she wants him to wear like a smart aura ring, ring. An aura ring. I've watched this so many times. And I thought you said you were going to start wearing this aura ring today, and yet it is still in the box. Yeah, I feel silly wearing a fitness ring, babe. 
I thought you were going to wear this aura ring I bought you, and yet it is still in the box. <laughs> we absolutely lost our minds with that for about two weeks. To the point where you said you wanted to unsubscribe from the joke because every three minutes I was sending her a version of a voice note that said it was still in the box. And then I resubscribed to the joke today because he showed up at my house at 11am with a woke moment. With a woke moment button. Uh, Everyone, it's it's a little blue button. And when you tap it, it says... I'm going to do that again, closer to the mic, just so everyone hears it. It is still in the box. You're going to get so much oh use out God. of it. Oh my God. I can't, I can't wait. I'm allowed to keep this, right? Yes. Oh, I'm just so, I'm just. It is still in the box. <laughs> I had to pause it. So nice. I had to pause the episode so many times to get the recording right. Listeners, if you're still here. Well done. Well done. Well done. Do you think we could sell that as merch? <laughs> I think we could get suit. <laughs> By Kristen Davis's people and the but good the ratio But the robot works for me in these few episodes. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. It's because she's not wrestling with huge themes like race. Yes. <laughs> Therefore, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like get out. It just feels like a funny robot lady trying yeah. to live her life. Yeah. Why are they... Do you think it's weird they're all so surprised that she gives him a blowjob? I find that a bit weird. <sighs> yeah. I also find it weird... Particularly when it's the moment when Miranda's saying, yeah. I'm leaving Steve. I'm leaving Steve. Your friend of 20 years who I've raised my <laughs> child with. The child you are a godparent to. I am divorcing him. Where's Tonight I will be divorcing him. He will have no wife tomorrow. <laughs> you still blow Harry? <laughs> it's mad. It's really mad. And I can see why they wanted to sort of like offset the drama of the moment with comedy. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. It's just badly judged. It's a bad mix. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the floppy... Co- I think they went too big with the joke penis. It was a bit stag do, wasn't it? It was a hen do, wasn't it? Yeah. i tell you why I didn't like the big floppy penis. Yeah. Is basically from what I could gauge from the writer's room, the reason they were like, oh, well, we always knew that Harry had a big dick. Yeah is basically because there needed to be like a secret reason why Charlotte was in love with no, him. No, I don't like that. And I don't like that. I'm like, have faith in the character you made because I think Harry could have an absolute bang average dick. Yeah. And you could still fall in love with that man. Yeah. I don't love that. Me neither. That Yeah, like... I bet fucking Evan Handler loved it. <laughs> I'd say he's just like... I'd say his shoulders are out of his socket from high fives now. <laughs> from like various construction workers around New York <laughs> hey so big it's too big so what you packing there <laughs> I want every man to watch that and just pause it and look at it and know that there is no sentient woman alive who would get excited by a dick that big no it, it's, it was a joke and also it's too big like if Harry had a monster cock it would have come up in the show before yeah well she says he's so good in bed yeah, but she but would have I said... But I think that's such a TV understanding of what good I sex know. is. It's like someone having a big dong. It's just... It's no, a, women don't think like we're, that. Like, no one is more obsessed with the idea of big cocks than straight men. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I've had so many sort of like drunken sort of conversations being like with, with men who men who think they're being sassy and like with the girls. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know that energy? Yes, Where like true. house party and there's six girls in the kitchen and one guy and they're all talking we're all talking about dating life. He's sort of struggling a bit. He's like, Oh, does he have a really big cock or something? Yeah. And like, no. No. Oh like You don't get it. You don't get it. Stop trying to get it. <laughs> It's this, um, the Amy Poehler line that I think should be read out to boys in secondary school in her book, Yes, Please, where she says, the best thing I can say about your cock is that I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. It's just a blurry, nice feeling of goodness I get mm. when I think about it, mm. but I don't remember it at all. Yeah. Blurry goodness. Unless it looks a lot like a sweet potato. <laughs> it's the only ones I remember. Oh my god, some of them do. They really do look very root vegetable-y. Yeah. But, rarely. <laughs> what is, is this podcast? <laughs> what is this podcast? People are going to be reacting to this podcast the way they react to the show. Being like, what am I listening to? We lost a hard drive. <laughs> we lost a hard drive. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie's trying to date again. With the mealy mouth teacher. With the mealy mouth teacher. The fucking, the deep sadness <laughs> of the mealy mouth teacher. He's a drag. And she, and I also like how she knows he's a drag. And when he goes in for that, the terrible little kiss. And she's like, mm, yeah, I guess this is my life now. Mm. They waste, why all this stop and start with the mealy mouth teacher? <sighs> so, <laughs> shit. 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 There was too much stop and start. He's in and he's out. Carrie's storylines suck. They do. They're not good. The best storyline is her and Seema. Yeah. And um and her with her closet. That's the most interesting thing that happens to Carrie. I'll tell you what I like. Mm. I like the light bulb. Oh yeah, I like it. Very you. Mm. Very you the light bulb. Mm. Yeah. I like big coming to her through the light. I really like that. Mm. And I mm. that it's so heartbreaking that moment when she goes to the light shop and he's like, yeah, it was just a faulty wire. And her acting so good, she was like, oh, it was just a faulty wire. Yeah. Because everyone knows that, well, maybe not everyone, maybe sane people don't have this, but whenever I've lost someone I love, not just when they die, but like yeah. when I've had a really bad breakup, I'm always looking the insane connections that you make yeah Yeah, that they're trying like I remember I actually wrote about it in Ghosts and I wondered whether it was just too mad for people to relate to but I remember in the last like big heartbreak I had trying to Mm. reach out to him telepathically thinking we're so connected there must be a way that we'll be able to so insane but these things that you that, yeah, you do reach this metaphysical, yeah. metaphysical place when you're experiencing that kind of loss. That can be so comforting, actually. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's fine. I don't... I just wish there was much more meat to her storylines, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. She's the main character, allegedly. You're so right that Miranda's the main character. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Warhol is running the factory once more. <laughs> I hate them. Still in the box. I love how we had a more 
a better handle on this podcast in the middle of lockdown when we were both going insane. There was so much more to talk about, though. I know. Because literally, you saying that about Carrie, I'm like, what else do we talk about with her? We like the outfits. We loved like... the day outfit. Oh, and the cataloging of the wardrobe is the best part of the whole show series. Mm, I could have seen more. Her I could have done. Her in the sushi with the fucking outfits was so good. I could have done Crack. with a little montage like in the first film of Lily coming yeah. out wearing I know. dresses. Lily, but like Lily kind of like styling them in a very sort of a zillennial way, you know, yeah. would be so cute. Like when she's going around with the poncho on, it's so sweet. Yeah, you love the poncho. Yeah, I love ponchos. I've had a few. Have you? Am, yeah. <laughs> Do you like them? It's cute, that little poncho. Yeah, that they're, she they're wears. good on, on tall ladies. Do you yeah. Know? We can carry Maybe them. I'll get a poncho. Get a poncho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rogue. But I do love, one of the moments I really love with Carrie as well is the um, when Charlotte has the big thing with Lily and the, the fence dance and stuff, and she's. Mm. She's sitting in the bathroom talking to her and she's oh, like... Oh, I love that bit. I love that because she's like, you know, she's been here all week and I can see the wheels turning and I can see her trying to figure out who she is and like, you know, it's fine that she's just experimenting and you went to dinner with me in the 90s and I was wearing less than that. And mm. I really like... It's the person we all dream we can be for our friends' children. Yeah, so true. It's lovely. Perfect godmother, Carrie yeah. Bradshaw. I love when they have the sleepover. I love the sleepover. I know. Although I hate that she wears a denim smock to bed. <laughs> And I just, I know we said it before, but I just don't get that neighbour. I know. Neighbour story. What a waste. What a waste. The things they throw their time away on. Mm. And then like, Miranda and Jay, we have no fucking clue why they're attracted to each other. Okay. (laughs) So that's Carrie. (laughs) So that's, that's our main character. Okay, so I do like though, the thing going to Paris, etc. Do you like the fever dream? No. I hate the fever dream. I understand why they had to do it. I hated that bit. Yeah, because all you can think about is Chris Nath is a rapist and they, could, and they yeah. couldn't have him in this scene. Oh, yeah. Because it was supposed yeah. to have been a flashback, right? Where, where Of course. Of them. And um, they cut that because they sh- she couldn't have it anymore. Any sort of dream sequence, like, I don't think we talked mm. about it last time, but you and I both had a particularly strong reaction to the Never Space. Oh, the nether space in which Che lives when Miranda's and fucking them. Yeah. When the it's like this white, glowy it's nether space. Very strange. That Miranda's head goes to when she's remembering them. It's just not what her. the show is about. No. The show does not exist in the metaphysical. But the nether space was almost funny. Yeah, yeah. But not funny enough. It right. should have been really cartoonish if they're going to go there. Whereas, like, Carrie having... A fever dream about Paris to fucking Hello, It's Me again, our least favorite song of all time. Like, we don't need it to, no. to understand that Paris was an important place for them. Yeah. I wish we could have gotten there with dialogue and, yeah. you know, her being like, you know, there's, there's such an arc with Carrie in Paris and like Carrie and Big in Paris and him leaving for Paris. Like, we could have just got there naturalistically. We didn't need this weird moment. Mm. The hard drive was lost, lads. <laughs> what can we say? Um, so, I mean, we, we have lots of little... I think we're done, right? I think we're done now. We're you, we can, you guys can tell. We're bored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're very bored. I would like to talk about what we think the series should have been, mm-hmm. quickly. I've spent, we've, we've kind of planted some seeds, mm. but here's what I have. Go on. Here's what Carrie's story should have been. Big's finances out of whack. Gloria delivers that news, right? Yeah. She has to dance. She, she actually sells the flat 
and that's the money she has for the rest of her life which is probably going to be still 15 million dollars mm-hmm. but like it's still she's kind of like oh it's not quite the world I thought I was going to have and she has to God, downsize that, that would have been such an interesting conversation with all the women right and the thing is here's what I think because she's so prideful and her friends are so one percenty. yeah um and maybe she has to pay off loads of legal bills for all of his stuff. Maybe she has to sell yeah. that flat and pay loads yeah. of legal bills or something. Like, we still get to have her have a glamorous life, but not, like, 0.1%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then she doesn't tell the girls because they're worried enough about her as it is. She meets Seema. Selling the, selling the flat at a premium becomes even more important. She tells Seema about her thing. Mm-hmm. That's how they get close. Mm. Because this sort of moment of vulnerability. Rather than this thing of, like... Now we've had a fight and we've had a lesson and now we are best friends. Yeah. Um, and then her writing Loved and Lost and the, the hook of Loved and Lost being I lost the love of my life and my fortune. Yes. Thereby convincingly being a movie, being a book that you would pay a fucking lot of money yeah. for. Like a yeah. really eat, pray, love of like, fuck, this woman went through it and now she's come out the other side. Thereby Carrie saving herself via her own resourcefulness. Yeah. Being his whole arc, which would have been fantastic. And then meanwhile, having the underpinned thing of like the lad at work. Yeah, yeah. Of like, he's my work husband. Now I feel weird about him because I used yeah. to flirt with him. Now I'm ignoring him. Now we're coming back together. Now I kiss him. Okay, I've got another addendum to that. Okay. You know how she became a caricature of what being a single sexually active woman is? Mm. And she like, there are moments that she has to face that like, when she does the learning annex or when like the publisher suggests like the naked picture on the front of the book or like when Enid is like, you're the last single girl right back for Vogue. She then becomes a famous widow. (gasps) Yeah. And she has to like go and do like the equivalent of a fame tour. Yes. Yeah. With loads of bereaved women in the audience and whatever. (gasps) That's such a good season two And then Samantha... Yeah. Texts her and it's like, this is a PR disaster. You need to like rebrand. You are more than just a widow. And she has to deal with the fact that she was the like woman everyone celebrated for being like the And now she's the woman girl. everyone feels sorry for. Yeah. <gasps> but that's how she has to, she had to do that to make her money. Oh, that would have been so fucking good. Yeah. La- Michael, Patrick, <laughs> King, are you listening? Emperor, my emperor, come on. <laughs> Um, that would have been so fucking good. And then, although maybe it's not Samantha, maybe it's, what's his name? Ricky Martin? Yeah. What's that? I can't say again. His name? I don't know. No Fred- one knows his name. Frederick, I think. Oh, you pulled that out of your eyes. <laughs> I don't know, and I'm not going to Google it, because I'm not going to, like, give No, we them... don't want to remember. We don't yeah. care. But that, maybe that guy who's become this, like, close confidant and ally with her, maybe yeah. he's the one that gently is, like... You carry Bradshaw, you're fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to be this person everyone feels sorry for to sell books. Yeah. And then it becomes an even more interesting question, which is, what is more important for Carrie? Like, yeah, being in her one-bed apartment yeah. and, you yeah. know, not living hand-to-mouth, obviously, but, like, having a simpler life like she did in her 30s or yeah. trying to... Be Brené Brown. Sustain you be Brenny Brown and trying to sustain this life of wealth she had with Big that maybe she never even wanted. Wanted. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so fucking good. Yeah. And it would have put her in a place of action rather than reaction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Things just fucking happened to that woman in this. And that's yeah. the like if you write stories, whether it's novels or, or TV shows, or whatever, 
it, that's the first edit you always get from everyone like they need to be driving the plot they can't just have things happen to them yeah and I always rally against it when an editor gives me that feedback but it's always for the best so true you can't they've got to be making decisions and, yeah. yeah yeah they have to be propelling it forward yeah I don't know why that's just something in our brains from caveman days or something of like how we we just know how stories work and mm. that's just how they, they work. And do you know what else? Instead of the neighbour, mm. the, des- the jewellery designer neighbour, yeah. do you remember the woman who was obsessed with Carrie who wanted to be her intern, the <gasps> virgin in the Hamptons? Jeez. She should be a really famous dating columnist now. Oh. There has to be someone who Carrie sees as herself. Not in a like, oh, there's a thin 30-something woman in my apartment block, which yeah. means fucking nothing. But like, here is... Because this happens when you're known yeah. as being like a, a like dating columnist, you know, oracle. Yeah. You will get replaced. Because no one wants yeah. to listen to women talking about dating past the age of 40. Yeah. So like her tr- having to reckon with this like... Gen Z or millennial girl. Yeah. It would be millennial girl in her 30s who's like the hottest. Right, right. That would be so good. That would be good. Maybe that that would have been they befriend each other. Yeah. Ultimately. Instead of that Jackie. Instead of that Jackie. Instead of that Lissette. That Lissette. Do you know know what this show is weirdly obsessed with? What? Um, Millennial designers. I was going to say, I was convinced... Yeah. Because we haven't mentioned this. In the first episode, L- the first like line of dialogue LGW has when she comes up to them in the breakfast place is like, someone's like, oh, I love your bracelet. Carrie says, I love your bracelet. She goes, thanks. It's from this little designer out of Virginia. I'm obsessed with him. I found them on Etsy. And that just like sits there. And we're like, okay, queen. What? what? Yeah. Like, why would, what? Who can, yeah. like. And I remember thinking, oh, that designer's going to somehow. Yeah, you don't put a line like that unless you're like, yeah, do something with it, and then Lizette, the the jewelry designer, shows up. But also, like, who cares? Yeah, and then like that Jackie, his his girlfriend, then wife, who is a designer. All why? Do you know? I think they, all young people are just seamstresses. <laughs> <laughs> Cobblers, seamstress, welders. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that is. You know when like. I'm definitely guilty of this. Mm. You know when you have just like a sort of one size fits all job for a certain type mm. of person that you don't re- when you're creating yeah. characters that you don't really understand. So when I'm writing about men, they'll often just often just be like in finance, yeah, <laughs> or misc tech, yeah, tech. They'll be yeah. tech, and I think that they're the when they're talking about young people, they're like they're a designer. Yeah. Oh God, embarrassing. <laughs> that Jackie. Also, it really annoys me that they stole that whole that Jackie's um, this is all in that Jackie's whole like surprise wedding subplot. Yeah, do you know what? I lifted from girls I and will, staged the same as girls. It's staged the same as girls, but I will defend that because I think I know where that came from. Why? That's how Sarah Jessica Parker and Matty Broderick got married. <gasps> yeah. Oh. I learned that in an interview. I heard is that like common New York or something? People just having surprise weddings all over the gaff. I think it's quite common in New York if you have if you have any sort of high profile. Oh. So they said they got everyone to their to their favorite. I can't remember the details of it. Somewhere on a Friday night, and they said it was yeah. going to be a party, and then they surprised everyone said it was a wedding. So I wonder oh. if that was SJP's input, maybe input in the writers' room. Yeah, maybe. Okay, forgive me a bit more now, but it is the same. Yeah, that girl episode. Um, I can't believe there's a scene with Jackie's wedding. 
I can't of all the things we don't get okay what would Charlotte's alternative trajectory be I mean we know we've been talking about this on whatsapp all week about how um i i actually really like charlotte's whole thing with her children and i yeah. think those those plot lines do emerge eventually they just took a long time to get there yeah i think what have been really really good is instead of these fucking tennis storylines or whatever yeah i thought we just obsessed with tennis storyline we, we just hate it we just hate it yeah and um is Charlotte comes back into contact with the McDougals. Oh, yes! This is a brilliant idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. And she goes back into contact with the McDougals again through the girls' school. Because obviously it's like the most expensive private school in New York. Yeah. It figures that Trey would have met someone and had kids. Yeah. And like, if Rock starts bringing home someone from school, be like, oh, this is my, this is my other trans friend who I've decided is called River McDougal. (laughs) Um, And... You know, and, and first you're really excited that uh, Rock has another friend. Yeah. Who's like them. And then realising it's a McDougal. And yeah. They, and that like, that she has a McDougal in the house. Yeah. In the McDougal flat kind of thing. Yes. And freaking out about it. And then having to like, come into contact with Trey again. And because Charlotte's trajectory in this entire series has been completely about why can't people stay who they are? Like that's, mm. that's been her character. It's her spirit journey has yeah. been. Yeah. Like, People change or whatever. I think it would have been really, really nice. She meets, uh, she meets Trey again. Kind of goes a bit balubas about it just because it's mad. Yeah, and it makes Harry go a bit mad. Makes Harry go a bit mad because she's obsessing over what Trey thinks of her. Yeah, and he's a bit like, do you still fancy your ex husband? Yeah. And she's like, no, I just want to prove to him. Yeah, that I could have the life that he would never give me or or whatever. All that stuff. Yeah. And her, like, if he's also struggling with a trans child kind of thing. Mm. And the McDougals, they were so obsessed with what things look like. Yeah. And her realising that she's transcended that. Mm. And she's like, oh, yeah, I never wanted to be in that world. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And you see the Mr. and Mrs. McDougal handle it completely differently to how Harry and Charlotte handle it. And not necessarily abusively or or in a way that would be upsetting or anything. No, no. Just like differently. Yeah. Also, I think that she should, LTW should have been this woman she fell in love with. Yeah. At school, this mum who she gets on so well with. Yeah. And that turns out to be Trey's wife. (gasps) She gets too easy. No. No. (laughs) No. Of course not. No. Uh, I just, I think we both would just love there to be, bring a few more characters back, right? Definitely. But that's every fan's hope, right? But I want to know how Trey aged. I want to have a conversation, I want to see a conversation with Trey and Charlotte where they're like drinking some of the old McDougal clan whiskey from the McDougal distillery one day when they're like bonding over their children. And Trey says to her like, do you know what happened in the year after you broke my heart? <gasps> right. I want to hear about Bunny's will. Ah, uh, right. I'm desperate to know. Because like, I remember when we were doing the first series where it was like, we had this real moment of melancholy, you and I, where we were like, what happens to Trey? Because mm. he's like very, a very broken person. He's very wounded. Mm. And uh, we were really worried for him. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And I want to know who he ended up with. I want to know what happened. Like, how did he change his mind about kids? Is, yeah. his, is his cock fully functioning? Right. I hope he had therapy. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he did, though. Well, unless he fell in love with someone who super yeah. opened him up. I don't think he did. 
No. I think Charlotte was the wildest he ever allowed himself to get. Mm-hmm. Sad. Okay, I think that's fabulous. That's fabulous. Oddly, I was thinking, I wouldn't change anything about Miranda's storyline. I would just change how it was done. Mm. I don't have any notes really, except for give us a Che and Miranda relationship to believe in. Yeah, make it believable. Yeah. yeah. I just like, even if they'd gotten those two actors alone in a room together and just made them do improv for three days yeah. and took the best of that and put yeah. it into the script. Like... Because also, Miranda around Che becomes weirdly unthinking. Yeah. You know, she's like the Miranda we know when mm. she's dating from like series one and two and whatever is someone who's like very cerebral and sort of pokey and yeah. spiky and... You know, like, Che's really smart and they're really switched on and they're really, like, at the centre of things. Like, Miranda wouldn't be, like, moony-eyed buying them cookies. Like, yeah, they'd be having really interesting conversations. Really, like, spirited debates about Joe Rogan. (laughs) That's what they would talk about. (laughs) So true. Miranda would be strangely pro-Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah, Miranda would become, like... An escalating libertarian in later life. Yes. Yeah. That's what they should be debating. That's what they would talk about. Yeah. Like they would have like very like like strident and different points on the news. Yeah. And then and they cancel would cancel culture. And cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. And then they would fuck hard afterwards. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what. Oh, that would have been a great scene. Seeing them having some like. Yeah. Shouty debate and then seeing them just go at each other. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that, that she's never had, Miranda, as someone like a sparring partner. Because no. she loves to do, she loves to fucking. And then I think I'd understand why she'd left Steve. Yeah. Because he's never really been, for want of a better word, her like intellectual equal. Yeah. And actually, it might be that, like, as most people who really rate their own intellect, they realise they don't really want to be with somebody who has the same sort of brain as yeah. them. Yeah, they just want to be told they're clever. Yeah. 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 Um,. Yeah, so I was surprised actually that I thought like, oh, I actually don't want to change it. No, I, I thought it was great most of it, apart yeah. from those like obvious missing steps, the missing hard drive. What about Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> that Jackie. No, I'm joking. That We've Jackie. We've talked about him too much. Who else is there? Seymour, I wouldn't change. Yeah. Naya, I actually, I was like, I realised, yeah, we said it already, but this thing of like, the only reason I resented those characters at the beginning was because I was seeing too much of them too soon. Yeah. And like, if the first time we spent time alone with Naya was the episode where they're painting Misk Refuge. Yeah. And that is this really brilliant moment where um, her and Andre are like observing LTW's kids mm. and him being like, don't you want that? And her being like, they're fucking wealthy. Like, of course, they're... I love, I love that conversation. I, 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 like, if that was the first time we had seen her just by herself, it would have felt like, ooh, mm. what's season two going to bring mm. kind of thing? Because we would have had all the ground covered with our three girls, plus Samantha via the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then it would have felt like, ooh, we're, we're getting... This thing, if it had been this delicious trip feed of these tantalising characters, these great performances and these really well-written roles we would have all welcomed it, you know what I mean? Mm. But instead we had to sort of like get so much of it up top at the point where we were all just frustrated and overloaded. Yeah, that was like trying to get us to invest, isn't it? Yeah. That's what they were probably doing. Yeah. Um, I loved your note on the top which said that Samantha, the text from Samantha was so good that you think the phone should get a Best Supporting Artist nomination. Yes! At the Golden Globes. Yeah! 
Yes. <laughs> I think it's it's it is incredible how well pitched they because obviously we don't again we don't know how Samantha texts but it was just like well of course this is how she would text of course this mm. is what it would be it was the most naturalistic thing in the whole show those yeah. texts. Do you think this is such a basic thing to ask yeah. and we are above this but. <laughs> Uh-huh. In a moment of weakness. Oh my god! Ask, okay. Do you think she will come back for another series? No. 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 I think she feels very smug. She's not involved. Oh yeah, you can really feel it. I can feel it in the atmosphere. I can feel it in that far-fetched um, campaign. I know. So good that. So good. Good on her. Yeah. I just say I, I was say I admire Kim Cattrall so much for not. She is currently the most powerful actor in the world, because of what she refuses to give. Yeah. Like, she's more powerful than Meryl Streep. She's more powerful than Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, there is no claim. But think about it. Is there any other performer in the world who is more in demand at this moment in time? Very true. And she just won't do it. And I We love, love that. It. Why do we love Because we're brats. Yeah, we do love that. It's for the same time for the same reason that we weren't even gonna do this podcast. Because we mm. like just being like, no, you yeah. can't make me. Um, I believe you have a treat for us to finish off. Oh, I do have a treat. So when um Caroline and I were talking about that thing of that that breakup scene with Steve and Miranda Mm. and how it kind of blew open the world for us and made us think about like the men of this show and Mm. what they've gone through with their relationships. We thought about an alternate sex in the city, about a 30-something Steve Brady called... Steve in the city. And luckily for you, I've written <gasps> the first scene. Oh, yes! I've written the first scene of the pilot. Oh, my God, I'm excited. So it's called Steve in the City, a story of love and longing in the city that never sleeps. <laughs> and the pilot is called The Lawyer and the Bartender. When you're working to buy the Big Apple, sometimes thinking, can't believe you've written this, sometimes things can feel a little fruitless. Three brain Wall Street traders laugh and shout drunkenly. One of them knocks over their bottle of wine. Steve wearily wipes up the spill. It's hard enough being a 32-year-old man in New York City looking for love. It's even harder. It's even harder when you spend all your waking hours with the worst men in Midtown. Miranda, also 32, flame-haired, fine-featured and hard-edged, enters. Hey, you, can I get a glass of shabbly? Steve is immediately taken by her beauty. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Smaller lad. Miranda gives him a wry smile. What do you think? Steve and Miranda share a flirtatious look. Tough day. I just lost a case. Oh, Shabley, I can sell you one. Oh, that's cute. No, I'm a lawyer. I could tell. And what do you do? What do you think I do? Miranda laughs at her own snobbery. <laughs> I get it, you're a bartender. But what do you want to do? This! I love it! I know it's not the most exciting job. I know I'm not a lawyer. But haven't you ever made a choice in life that goes against your better judgment just because you're so in love with it? They lock eyes. Miranda thinks, absolutely. fucking <gasps>
It went on a little bit too long, and I apologise. No, no. I think I think it gave um the audience a chance to appreciate my range. It was really did. Yeah. Wow. That is so. There we go. I mean, we're available. Yeah, you've just wrapped in a show. This has been basically a seven-hour advert to Michael Patrick King for us to write the next series, which I can guarantee would be shit. <laughs> it would be really good. No, it would be good. It would be good. It's an impossible task, though. This yeah. Movie. Okay, it's I'm impossible. glad that we're saying it. Right. It's impossible. Right. It's impossible. You're totally right. This is not like, as you know, I'm a big fan of The Simpsons as well. And people love to harp on about how that went off a cliff after sort of season 11, season 12. And it's like, yeah, only when you're comparing it to perfection. Yeah. yeah. The funniest. <laughs> you're so cute. I know. <laughs> like, you can't expect things to be perfect forever, you know? And, yeah. and like, it's funny. It's like. I think we should appreciate that there's anything we care this much about. Yeah. Women have such an important connection with this show. And yeah. it's so dweeby and funny. Yeah. That we care this much. And I'm still so glad it happened. Me too. I'm really still glad that yeah. we got patchy sex in the city instead of no sex in the city. Truly we mean it. And we did we certainly tried the most. And we certainly tried. And I think all that is left to say is Wow. I'm just thinking of you going upstairs after I leave now and try to explain this button to Gavin. It is still in the box. <laughs> I wonder if we should rash that raffle off for charity. That's a good idea. <laughs> eBay Bates was starting £500. Um, I, do you know what? I love how we didn't think that we wanted to do this, but this has just reminded me that all I want to do is talk to you in rooms forever. Me too. Let's do another thing. Let's do another thing. Lads... Don't ask us for it, but and you won't after this. But <laughs> but maybe 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 girls maybe who knows who knows. I do think girls would be a nice place to pick up again because it's a show that's DNA was founded in Sex in the City. Another HBO show about four women, and it's ten years since it aired. Yeah, I'm not saying we're doing it next month or even no. the month after. But no. the next thing I want to do with you is that. Yeah, I just want to sit. I just want to sit in a room with you and talk about. Stuff that we love and just no, it's nice. Come up with stupid little theories and be so self-congratulatory about them. It's just my favourite thing. It's my favourite thing. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Love you. <laughs>mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com